Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by Swine Tech, the award-winning creators of Smart Guard and Pig Flow. To learn how Pig Flow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by Johnsonville Foods, Hypor Genetics, Swine Robotics, SwineWeb.com, and Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hog Hearth. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about leading others in industry and by example with Mr. Chris Westfall. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Thank you, Matthew. It's a pleasure to be here. It's exciting to have you on the podcast. We met a while ago, and at the time, you were considered, I think, the global pitch champion. I think it was, wasn't it? That's a recognition, yes, that I've received a few years back. I was I was recognized as the U.S. National Elevator Pitch Champion. Yes, that's that, what it was. Yeah, I had the best two-minute speech in the country. That's what that meant. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on. I really wanted to bring you on to talk about leadership. And the reason I'm bringing you on is because you have a really great perspective on branding and sustainability and leading others and telling your story. And telling your story is going to be the key component of this entire episode. When we look at the industry as it is today, we are trying to position ourselves as a sustainable industry. We are trying to help consumers understand why we care. And we are trying to find individuals who can be passionate about working in this industry. And so there's a lot of storytelling that comes into play here. There are a lot of challenges finding labor. There are challenges with us in the industry, especially in the U.S. We've got uh, swine is number three in the U.S. We're globally and non-religious for non-religious reasons and most around, around the world. It's the number one consumed protein. So just trying to figure out how we tell our story better and I'm really excited to get into this. So could you just lead off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and, and what you do today? Sure. Well, a little bit of a frame of reference around storytelling. I'm the publisher of seven books. And one of the books that I wrote is called Bulletproof Branding. Another book that I wrote uh, in 2018 is called Leadership Language. In fact, I have a visual aid, so I should probably hold that up. Uh, Leadership Language right here. And my latest book is actually a story. It's called Easier. And this is a business fable where inside this book, you discover 60 ways to make your work life work for you. And those ways aren't like commandments on a tablet. They are revealed in the course of a story, in the course of a conversation. So storytelling is vital to my work. I'm also a contributor to Forbes. I regularly write for Forbes and I help my clients to create compelling brand messages so that they can tell stories that are not just informative, but that are compelling. In other words, stories that inspire action, brand messages that, that take people to a place where they want to take action. And as a result, my clients have landed on television shows like Shark Tank here in the U.S., Dragon's Den in Canada, and even Shark Tank Australia. Uh, I've helped launch over, gosh, it's close to 70 businesses. I've lost count how many businesses I've helped launch. Uh, and I've, I've helped entrepreneurs to secure over $100 million and counting 
in capital investment. So when it comes time to tell a story that drives action, that's a place where I've been able to, to help my clients to see things in a new way. Because it's like this, Matthew, when you change your story, you change your results. And the way that you communicate is the key to your success, whether you, I'm talking to you as an individual or you as an entire organization or even an an entire market initiative, the way that you communicate is critical to your success. And that has been the platform that that I've been working on for many, many years and, and have seen through my clients some, just some extraordinary success when the story changes. So what makes a good story? Great question. The best story always starts with what your listener is thinking. Now, that may sound strange. You may say, well, so what do I have to do? I have to be able to read minds. What, what does that mean exactly? Well, not, not precisely, but it is useful to understand how to create a compelling story by looking at what it is that, that is top of mind for your audience. Now, I'm speaking of a story around a brand message, a particular initiative that you're trying to get across, not necessarily a story like a once upon a time kind of story, right? Or a, a script that you might submit to Netflix. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you have a brand message that you want to convey, <clears throat> if you think about it, A compelling conversation, and another way to say that would be a persuasive conversation, is really a series of yeses. Now, Matthew, that's not very good English, and I apologize for that. But what I'm trying to say is, is that it is a series of things that make people say yes. So looking at what your audience is thinking and considering where they are coming from first, which is kind of counterintuitive because so many times when we tell our story, we're thinking about ourselves. Right, our focus is on our puts and takes and our challenges, and we haven't gotten the support that we needed, and and people don't understand what we're up against, and so we need to convey that information. What if you what if you pump the brakes on that and look instead at what it is that is top of mind, not for you, for your business, but for your audience? Where are they? And can you meet your audience, whether that's someone who works for you or your boss? or an entire market initiative, can you meet your audience where they are? And starting from there is, in my opinion, the the strongest place to begin. Because when we find common ground, that is the first step towards uncommon results. So, So that's what I would say makes a good story, would be to understand where your audience is coming from and consider a series of yeses. And if you want, I mean, I can share with you some ideas around things that that all God's children, no matter which God they worship, say yes to, if that would be helpful. That'd be great. Yeah. What are a few examples? There are certain things that we all know and recognize, no matter where you're listening to the sound of my voice, there are things that you and I both have in common or things that we would say yes to. And an overall theme or idea that anyone anywhere can say yes to is called a high concept. A high concept. That's what I call it. Hmm. It's this idea that it it makes people say yes. And it usually fits into this format. Doesn't it seem like blank? Doesn't it seem like blank? And you fill in the blank and people say, yeah, that's true. Like, let me give you an example. Doesn't it seem like we all want a sense of safety in the workplace? Yeah, true. Right. 
I mean, that's true. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're in Dubuque or Des Moines or Dallas. That's true. Let, let's see. Uh, doesn't it seem like we all define success on our own terms? To me, that looks true. Everybody has a different, what success means to me might be different than what it means to you. These are examples of high concepts and they're not necessarily industry specific, as you can tell. But when we look in the direction of high concepts and we start the conversation or the story there, there's a couple of things that are happening. First of all, we're opening up the conversation and leveraging the audience's expertise. We're getting them nodding their head and saying, yes, yes, that's true. Doesn't it seem like we all need protein in our diet? Doesn't it seem like it's smart to look for a a low-cost, high-protein food source? Those things look to be true, and I see people doing that all the time. So what is it that listeners can see and say that is a yes. And this takes a look at things from a, if, if, I mean, if, if you follow me, it's, it's kind of looking at things from a 50,000 foot viewpoint, right? Where you're looking at what is common to all of us. What is that Absolutely. common ground? What is that thing that we can all say yes to, right? And, and so many times what, what people don't realize when they're, when they're telling stories is they, they start with something that is incendiary. They start with something that is informational and they provide numbers that can be argued with. And you say, wait a minute, Chris, how can you argue with numbers? Numbers are what they are. Well, you ever watch Shark Tank? They argue with numbers all the time. Um, So what is it that, that people don't argue with? What is that thing that is inarguable that can help open up the conversation and create something that that is a part of any good story and any good storyteller, and that is receptivity. In my work, it's very important for me to understand that I am never the only expert in the room or the Zoom room, as the case may be. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I want to leverage the expertise of the folks who are there. And, And part of leveraging that expertise and stepping into that in a way that's authentic and not manipulative is by saying things that, that everyone knows to be true. And also from a storytelling standpoint, what that speaks into the room is this feeling that, Hey, this guy, this guy gets it. This guy knows which way the wind is blowing. He's not trying to impress me or hit me over the head with a statistic or his resume. He's pointing me in the direction of what it is that, that I already know and a powerful place for starting the conversation can be reminding people of their own expertise. So that's the high concept and that's how it plays into storytelling. And uh, that's one of the things that I go over in my workshops with folks and we, and we try it, we put it on its feet. We say, you know what, what shows up for you as a high concept? And we look at it from a universal standpoint and then we go industry specific and we look at the puts and takes and challenges that, that folks are facing in because then you could kind of really walk in and say, you know, doesn't it seem like animals should be treated humanely? And everyone's going to say yes. Well, no, nobody can fight you on that, Matthew. N- nobody mean, can. It's going to be like, no, I don't think so. I think that we should uh, punish animals for being animals. Come on. Who's, who would say that? Crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so and one thing about taking that 50,000 foot view that's really nice is when you do construct a story from that level. When you evolve your story or you refine your story, you're not messing with its core, right? You're, you're really focusing on 
bits and pieces that that break off as opposed to the, the core of the story, which allows you to over time get to something that can ebb and flow with your consumer or audience, would you say? A hundred percent. And the way you set it up, Matthew, is critical. The key themes don't change. What I'm talking about is what is a way to create receptivity, a way that is authentic. That's not like some some like verbal karate where you're gonna, you know, trick people into listening to your man. That, that, come on, that doesn't work. But from a from an authentic and real place, we understand that if there is a there is a powerful message that needs to come across, we owe it to ourselves to take the time to consider how is that story going to be told? I mean, if if you've got a very important question that you want to ask, and I'll give you an example of a really important question, you got to think about the way that you come up to that question. Here's that question. Will you marry me? If you open with that, that could be a bit of a challenge. You've got to earn the right to ask that question. And without the right setup, that question will fall on deaf ears. And with the right setup, could be the question that starts a life together. So I think that storytelling and the way that you approach a conversation with a deeper understanding of just some of the, the humanity inside of some of these initiatives that you and I were talking about before the call, uh, you know, that humanity points in the direction of connection. And, and from a place of connection, the conversation really begins. Because if people don't feel connected to your message, they're, they're not going to listen to what you have to say on slide 42. They're, they're just not. No, and in this world, we have so many different ethical perspectives that are coming together where it's not a question of right and wrong. It's a question of right versus right. Each side is doing what they believe is right. I think that people are trying to do the right thing, and they're constantly caught facing scenarios one is when I go to the grocery store, what do, what do I buy? How do I buy it? And we need to be able to connect with people from all different backgrounds as best as possible. How do you do that? How do you create a story that does cross barriers, connect with people from different backgrounds? Because you said to understand where your 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 listening audience is. But what if you have multiple audiences? When faced with multiple audiences, it's vital that you have an understanding of high concepts so that you can speak in universal terms uh, before you slice your argument too thin, before you go and define brand personas and that sort of thing and, and try to pursue that, you know, 25 to 34 year old single mom <laughs> before you go, before you go and zoom in, zoom out, zoom out and look at that thing or things that connect all of us, regardless of gender, religious preference, or any other differentiation that, that might be top of mind. When we zoom out, we, we explore something that I, I heard about from, from Abraham Lincoln. Now, he didn't tell me this personally, <laughs> but, but I, I grew up uh, in, the, in the state next to yours. I grew up in the land of Lincoln over there in Illinois. And Abe Lincoln, before he became president, he was a very prolific lawyer in the state of Illinois, and he was a litigator. And so when Abe Lincoln was in court and they would provide opening statements and Abe Lincoln would start, what he would do, and by the way, what he did is how he earned the nickname Honest Abe. Huh. What honest, yeah, listen to this. What Honest Abe would do is he would stand up and in his opening statement, he would do the prosecution or the opposition's story and quite often <clears throat> do it better than they did. 
But Abe Lincoln would express the other point of view. He would say to the jurors, what you're about to hear is a story where the prosecution would like you to believe the following. And he would share their point of view and do their story before he did his. This level of insight into the opposition. And I don't know that looking at marketing (laughs) pork pork products is an adversarial relationship. I don't know that that really fits for the conversation, but (laughs) let's take away from it what we can. And and the message is that as a storyteller, Abe Lincoln stepped into the shoes and the challenges and the puts and takes and the point of view of others before he shared his own. And I wonder what might happen if we pull back, zoom out, take a message and a lesson from Honest Abe and share the point of view from others before we share our own. This creates receptivity. This creates deeper understanding. This creates a feeling both verbally and non-verbally that makes people go, I, f- I feel like they get me. Mm. And, and that's a really powerful place to begin the conversation. I feel like in that step of understanding somebody, a lot of people take shortcuts. I mean, you can talk to startups even when it comes to customer discovery. Let's do customer discovery. (laughs) Uh, They might do it on their second startup, but usually on the first startup, they blow right past the customer discovery. Why do you think it's so hard for people to thoroughly understand their listener and their audience? It's because of our survival instinct. Uh, Let me explain. We are wired to act in our own self-interests. That, that's not to say that you are selfish or I am selfish. That's just, that's just how it works. We, we are wired to survive. And that is, that's part of our, our lizard brain, our limbic brain. We are, we are wired to act in what looks like our own best interests. And as a result, oftentimes we don't see that understanding the needs of others is actually acting in our own best interest. We all have the capacity to do so. We all have the ability to empathize, and that's called emotional intelligence. Some of us possess more of it than others, but we all have the ability to pull back and look, maybe not at the, again, not zooming in on the puts and takes of some marketing persona that's been created or some avatar, but to pull back and look at that thing that we all share, which is our humanity. And from this place, of recognition and understanding and understanding that we are all wired to be selfish. We are all wired to act in our own self-interest, but we all have the ability to, to care for others. And the service that is provided is really about that, that caring. And, and that doesn't mean like I'm saying, and so give your customers a hug. I don't want to come across like that. (laughs) That's a little too touchy feeling. A big stuffed pig near every near every section giving you a <laughs> hug when you right. walk up. Yeah. <laughs> Go out there and hug the biggest pig you can find. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying pull back and look at those things that connect us all because without common ground, you will not create uncommon results. Without deeper understanding, your initiatives will fall on deaf ears. And if if you aren't able to tap into that humanity, the information, the information, the data, the statistics, again, they're, they're not going to land. And I'll tell you why. You may have all the content that you need to convey the information that matters to you, but without the context, 
your content is meaningless. And the context that I am suggesting is a context of deeper understanding, a connection on a human level, not, not some verbal jujitsu or manipulation, but a sincere and authentic look at who we all are so that you can create new results for an entire industry and provide customers with, with access to a source of protein that's, that's easier, simpler, and, and more available than many alternatives. So is that why some, yeah, it makes complete sense. And is that why some brands or some groups might seem like they lack self-confidence or self-esteem in their messaging? It's their, they're focused on the me part of it. And it just feels like they're talking about themselves and not really ever connecting. Yeah, you know, I do a lot of uh, speeches and presentations online, even even a few in person uh, these days as the world's starting to open up. And one of the things that I have learned is that there are two questions never to ask yourself when you're in the middle of a presentation or uh, when you're trying to be persuasive with with someone. And and those two questions are number one, who am I? And number two, how am I doing? Who hmm. am I? points towards imposter syndrome. Who am I to be here? Who am I to be in this conversation? Who am I to be asking my boss for a raise? Who am I to be at this bank asking for a million dollars so I can grow my farm? Who am I? Don't ask that question. I'll give you, I'll give you a better one to ask, but I want to hit the second one as well. How am I doing? Wrong question to ask. Here's, here's a better question to ask. How is your listener doing? Mm-hmm. How's your audience mm-hmm. doing? You see, if we're focused on ourselves, that. That's the definition of self-consciousness and is the exact opposite of self-confidence. Who am I? Doesn't matter. Who are you talking to and how are they doing and how are you looking in the direction of service so that you can create greater access, greater ease around finding the sources of protein or the food sources that people need or whatever it is that that is on your mind that is top of mind for you. How can you make that easier for your listener? And if that journey leads you to think about yourself and how you're doing, you're looking in the wrong spot and it's going to make anybody, anybody self-conscious and insecure. So looking in the direction of confidence to me, look in the direction of service. What is the deepest most powerful service that you can provide to your boss, to your farm, to your customers, to your branding initiatives. What is the, what does that look like? And then a follow-up question, if you're open to it, what is the biggest promise you can keep? That to me looks like a much more valuable question and a much more powerful answer than who am I and how am I doing? Wow. That's that seems to hit home with a lot of things that uh, that we're, we're really trying to, to convey and, and move forward with. Well, I tell you, I, yeah, I, I speak for a living and I do this a lot. And you know what that means? That means I run up against those two questions. That means I run up against my own self-confidence. I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, yeah. I wouldn't be human if I didn't feel that way. Who, who am I to be delivering this, this speech? Who am I to be coaching this person? Who am I to be helping someone to land on a nationally recognized television show like Shark Tank? Wrong question to ask. Here's a better one. How can I help the person right here in front of me? Yes. How, why, why aren't I looking in the direction of service? Why am I focused on myself? What am I trying to do? Smell my own aftershave? 
How about yeah. helping somebody? That <laughs> seems more powerful. Right. By the, way, my, by the way, my aftershave smells great. I just want to throw that out there, Matthew. I just, <laughs> No, I mean, that that hits home so good because our industry often talks about wanting to feed the world in a sustainable way. We're raising healthy food, safe pork, and in a way that is humane. And often the message is, look what we're doing. Look at us. And the goals of the industry can be easily relatable to most people. But we bypass it and we jump into the details. So I'm hoping that people listening here can pull away some some messages from this that'll be helpful. One I want to kind of segue into and maybe wrap up with, uh, somewhat wrap up with, is what do people miss around the branding of their sustainability story? Because sustainability is a big topic right now. It is. And well, you said a mouthful there. Matthew, what people miss is they create assumptions around sustainability that simply aren't true. And those assumptions show a lack of understanding. And I'm going to tell you what the, what the assumptions look like. The assumption is that sustainability matters to the person you're talking to as much as it matters to you. And hmm. that, my friend, I hate to say it, is a misunderstanding. It could go the other way too, right? It absolutely could. Yeah. But, but either way, you're, you're starting a conversation without a baseline. You're saying that, this, that people care about this and, and that, that sustainability matters to them in the same way that it does to you. And so hmm. your persuasive conversation, instead of being a series of yeses, it starts with an if-then. If you care about sustainability, and by the way, you should, and if you don't, I'm going to scold you. <laughs> I, that, first of all, can you, can you feel how off-putting that is? Yeah, very off-putting. Right? How can people be receptive to that? Oh, you know, if your sustain, if your vision of sustainability isn't the same as mine, I'm going to take you to school on what's wrong. I'm gonna, now it's a conversation about let me fix you, or or maybe you just aren't woke enough to have this conversation with me. Maybe you just don't care about our planet enough to talk with me. Wow, so off-putting these if-then statements. And and Matthew, let me be clear, I'm I'm being extreme to me. Yeah, yeah, no, but it's helpful. You see what I mean? It's, it's this if-then. It's if you care about sustainability. And so many times a sustainability pitch or persuasive conversation, that caring about sustainability is implied. It is an assumption that has not been established. And when that context has not been established, you're in trouble. You're walking through a minefield because you create defensiveness rather than receptivity. Well, I do care about sustainability. How dare you insult me like that? I do care about what do you mean? How can I listen to what you're saying next? Because now I'm, I'm defensive. Or you say that I don't care about sustainability in the same way that you do. I care about it more. <laughs> no, it's actually, that's awesome because it kind of flip-flops the whole podcast from the beginning to the end here. That's how the industry has felt. It has felt as though society has given them an if-then. And success in farming means taking care of being a steward of the land, being a steward of your resources. And so a lot of people feel like they've been thrown under the bus when nobody's really established a baseline with where they're at. Now they're becoming a part of the story. Now we're getting carpet credits. We're getting, we're getting more transparency and it's helping with the story. But that if then applies to everything, right? It does. 
And, and if you can't zoom out and set a context of agreement, you're, you're going you're gonna to have an argument. You're going to plant a flag on the hill of sustainability, and that will be the battleground where, where your message will live and die. You've got to watch out for these two words when you're communicating your story. These two words that are, <laughs> they're milestones to let you know that you're headed in the wrong direction. These two words are, so what? Like, mm. let me give you an example. You say to people, we have to be stewards of the land. And as farmers and, and uh, those raising uh, swine, we have to be stewards of the land. And people go, so what? I mean, I don't disagree, but that's your job. That's, that's not my job. <laughs> and, and so what we're trying to do is create a message of inclusion when there's no, when the inclusion hasn't been established, when, when there hasn't been that, that high concept, that universal, uh, it's not just the job of farmers and ranchers to sustain the land. That's everybody's responsibility. Now, if I need you to take on that responsibility in order to buy pork products, that's an if then. Do you see it? Mm-hmm. If you don't care about the land and if sustainability doesn't matter to you, let me ask you a question. If I don't care about sustainability, can I still enjoy bacon and pork chops and other? I mean, absolutely. Why? Why? Then why is there? A, why is there an if then? Why do you have to jump over the stick in order to qualify to eat bacon? I disagree with that. And I think that that and again, you're like, hey, you're fighting the whole industry, Chris. What are you doing? I'm, I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody. I'm simply <laughs> saying you got to zoom out because if you're going to plant a flag. On the hill that says we all have to care about sustainability, you're missing an, an, an enormous market. And, and you're also missing an opportunity to realize that just like the way that we define success, each of us defines sustainability on our own terms. And the, the amount of caring that we put towards sustainability is determined on an individual basis. And some people, I hate to say it, I'm not saying this is right, but they just don't care. And so the challenge, I think, is for the industry. That's right. I'm I'm calling on the entire industry to pull back, to zoom out, to create a message that is more than just sustainability. Sustainability can be a part of it. But if that that is the only hill that you're going to plant a flag on, I think that there's there's an if-then that's going to, by nature, alienate a part of your market and miss an opportunity. What is it that is that first yes that we can all agree to? I think that people can agree that if we don't take care of this planet, this planet's going to take care of us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They actually not in a, pretty, a good way. Yeah, they actually have a pretty good, pretty good tagline of "People, Pigs, Planet" that I, I kind of like. It uh, they they start nice and high level, but there there needs to be more. There needs to be more yeses. There needs to be more inclusion and more understanding of what we're shooting for. And right now it feels like 90% of the efforts are towards look what we're not doing wrong. I mean, yeah, we're doing a lot of good things, right. But it feels very defensive, the story. And when any of the story feels defensive, then it feels like you're planting a flag on one side, even though defensive, even though trying to educate, you're just setting yourself up for another side to come right back at you. That's, that's very well said. Why? Do you, do you want to inform or do you want to inspire? Do you want to educate or do you want to compel? Which, which I mean, which is it? Because there's a way to educate people. And if you need to be right, I mean, I don't know that I want to be right, Matthew. I want to be rich. 
<laughs> I'm kidding. But but look, if you're right and if you win the ethical argument, but people aren't buying more pork, are you, what are you really winning? And how do we how yeah. do you define victory? And uh, again, I, I think that it is a message of inclusion. And I'm not saying that. Um, gosh, I am not saying that sustainability does not matter. But if that is the hill that you want to die on, I'd look at that in a hard way. And I would zoom out because there's, there's more to the story. And if it looks like informing people and making them understand what you're up against and the challenges within the industry, and from that place of information, people will decide to buy more pork products and eat more pork. That's, that's a misunderstanding. And, and just, just ask yourself, does information lead to realization? Think about that for a second. If you need information so that you can make a realization, or another way to say that will be a decision, make a choice. Information informs, but there's, there's more to the story than just information. And that's the part of the story that the gifted storyteller shares, because that's the part of the story that's not just description. It's not just information. It's the language of creation, the mm-hmm. language of creating opportunities, creating possibilities, creating a pathway for folks to understand that eating more pork is, is in their best interest. And it's a choice that, that makes sense whether they care about sustainability or not. And you can really enter any word in for sustainability, right? It could be, yes. Well, this has been awesome. I ask a couple questions when I close. The first one is, what's something about you most of your colleagues do not know? Something about me that most of my colleagues do not know. Hmm, that's that's a really good question. Um, most co- of my colleagues don't know that once upon a time, I was a professional stuntman. Really? <laughs> True story. True story. Now I've said it on the podcast, so now everybody knows. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for peeling back my secret. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, what's the uh, <laughs> What's your favorite stunt you've ever done? Well, uh, let's see. My wife and I have been married for 28 years. Does that qualify? <laughs> um, I'm still doing my own stunts, Matthew. Believe me. Um, yeah, it was many, many years ago when, when we met, uh, my wife and I, and I was actually in a, a stunt show at an amusement park oh, cool. uh, here in Texas. Yeah, and um, it was uh, just an amazing experience to be. Um, I, w- I actually hosted the show, um, and uh, so to be in front of an audience of three thousand people on a stage that was so big you could drive motorcycles on it, and all this pyrotechnics and all that stuff. It was an amazing experience, and and the fact that I did that and did not die, it gave me a level <laughs> of courage that really clients <laughs> to this day. I bet. <laughs> what and then. What is a golden nugget that you could share with listeners, a life lesson, a key Mm. takeaway that you've learned thus far? There's one question that you can ask yourself today and any day when you're up against a challenge. It's a simple question, and it's this. What can make this easier? Hmm. Because to me, Matthew, it looks like a high concept that easier always exists. Maybe not easy, right? I mean, if you're you're running a, a... you know, if you're you're running a farm, that's not easy. But there's a way to go about that that is easier. There's a way to go about dealing with your relationships and your employees and your bank and all the puts and takes in your life that makes things easier. 
And oftentimes, you know, as the good book says, as ye seek, so shall ye find. Sometimes looking in the direction of easier is the first step in finding it. So well, thank you. My nugget. Thank you for joining the Popular Pig Podcast, Chris. It's been a real honor to have you on here. And it's it's been a joy to speak with you today. And I'm sure our listeners have gained a ton of knowledge and wisdom from, from having you here. Well, thank you so much, Matthew. I mean, I, I care about this industry. I've worked with uh, Texas A&M for nearly a decade and done a lot of work in their agricultural economics uh, department, helping entrepreneurs to, to start businesses, uh, probably a lot like the ones that uh, are represented in the listener base. So it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be here and to support this industry and to share some ideas that, that hopefully helps, helps everyone to tell their story in a more powerful way. And thank you for letting me share mine. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.